Welcome everyone to Force Realists Radio with your guest host today, your guest co-host Charles McBride and Alethea Thompson as the primary host. Say hi hey. to the people, Allie. Hey. <laughs> you may as well just be the host with me as a co-host today. Yeah, I know. Little Mackay is in the background crying. So this is just an impromptu show being done on on the 3rd of September. Because we were discussing the Jedi Code, and I made a comment to Allie that it would be great if we had this going back and forth for Force Academy. And she, of course, said, well, why don't you just do it as a show, which is what we're going to do. So what we're doing is we're looking at the Jedi Code, and we're looking at the original Anderson version of the Code, and its functions and its uses, and is it viable or relevant at all in, in today's world? Um... I'm gonna I'm gonna start out with the uh, the criticism if Allie is up for it. Allie, hammer this code, beat the crap out of it for all it's worth. There is no, there is. Come on, people. <laughs> Look, I don't like the code at all, the Anderson version, and I don't like the uh, the Sith code since you know that was also brought up in my training journal that this is actually why we we're doing this episode. Um, <laughs> Because they're simply supposed to be opposites just to be opposites. Now, Charles over here wants to argue that it's really good for a mantra. Well, I'm, I'm personally not a big fan of mantras. And that's just because it's me. Mantras can work for other people. To me, using the code there is no, there is, X, Y, Z as a mantra is uh, kind of useless, in my opinion. I mean, sure, you understand what, what the baseline of what it what it's supposed to mean is if you've taken the training and you've learned what it is, what it's supposed to mean. But at the end of the day, mantras are better if they're more specific to the purpose. Like, I've got a problem with having tolerance. Then instead of saying, there is no emotion, there is only peace. There is no emotion, there is only peace. There is no emotion. <laughs> or even the full, the full uh, Anderson Code as your mantra. Really? It's just better to say something to the effect of, I will increase my tolerance for today. Or if it's a specific problem, like you're having you're having arguments with your family, and the reason why is because you're not very tolerant of what they're doing, you could say, I will not have... I will not have an argument with my family today. I will not have an argument with my family today. Because really, it's all about program, reprogramming the brain. That's what a mantra is used for, in reality. It really is. Uh, so to me, using the code as a mantra is just kind of ridiculous when you could get more specific, you could get more creative as to what the exact problem is. But I deal in specifics, and I was also tra- uh, training in college to be a counselor, so... That's just me. Charles wants to argue the good point of it, so I'll go ahead and I'll let him, and then we'll we'll toss some comments back and forth. Also joined on the with us is Aaron and Rosalind, and hopefully they'll jump in also. All righty. Um, the very first thing I'm going to hit on with the code is actually the the part that you beat up the most on it, which is its use of its uh, negativity before its positivity as a tool for reprogramming the brain. You see. The code is not perfect by any measure, but it, I see it as an awesome, excellent tool for those times when self-control 
or bias have become the central focal point of a moment. In essence, the code acts as a counterbalance, and it does this by using part of mental reprogramming, which is bringing up the negative aspect and bringing it to light for the person. A lot of mantras that are made use of, especially ones done on the fly, have a tendency to ignore the problem at hand. You know, a person who's having, we'll use tolerance as an example, having, having difficulties with tolerance will say, I will be more tolerant, or I am more tolerant, or I, I shall display tolerance, something to that degree. And then when they fail, they get crushed under the weight of the fact that the mantra didn't provide what they wanted immediately in the reprogramming. In essence, what, it, what happens is they get a negative reinforcement that this isn't working, that this aspect is not being erased or rewrote in the mind, but this problem, this difficulty, is staying already in existence as a complete opposite, an unmovable rock, as it were. This is, this is, a, this is a big problem with a lot of mantras. And I understand why people make use of them the way they do. Because initially, it does seem easier to make a mantra that is single-point, you know, focused mental reprogramming. All right, but you know what? Hold on, hold on. Just real quick. A mantra is not supposed to, is not meant to just be used for, like, one day or whatever. If you're trying to reprogram your brain, you have to do it more than once. You have to do it over a long, extended period of time. Otherwise, it isn't effective. And believe it or not, the book that I have, the one that I wrote, the Meditation Journal for Force Realists, has a two-week two, uh, two block for you to say a mantra over the course of two, well, those two weeks in the morning, and then another two-week block where you say it in the evening so that you can see whether or not one, one way works better for you than another. Or even, uh, I probably should have thrown in there another one where they have a two-week block where you say one in the morning and then one in the evening. I might have, I don't know. I can't remember at this point in time, but... The the point is, is, you can't just use it once, and and that's a problem for for people. Which is another reason why, if you're just gonna if you're gonna use the same code over and over again, well, yeah, if it works for you because it it just happens to work for you, that's because you're saying it over and over again. It'd be more effective if you had something that you said over and over and over again over the course of time and log how it works for you. That's actually how I found out that mantras don't really work for me. Sorry. Well, exactly. No, no, you're you're hitting you're hitting exactly on my point. You're making you're making this easier for me, uh, which is good. I, I, I like when people make it easier for me. Um, what I'm getting at is that the very nature of the code is it covers a wide area, a wide area of problems that are at the root a difficulty for a Jedi. If a Jedi trusts their feelings and the Force to guide their movements, if they trust their intuition and they trust really their emotions to provide them with a, a guideline, a basis for action, then at the same time, they need something that's going to rein this in. And they need something that's going to do this in a way that it doesn't cause them damage when it breaks. And this is what I'm getting at with mantras that break. You know, we'll take the tolerance one. You know, there is tolerance, or I, I am tolerant, okay? A person who finds themselves in a situation where they are not being tolerant, they start making use of this mantra. They make use of it maybe in the morning, maybe in the evening, as a behavioral curb, but they also make use of it as a momentary tool of relief. 
The problem becomes the fact that they have not identified their intolerance within the mantra, they've empowered it. Now, you have all of these other little things circling that intolerance. You have the emotional awareness of the intolerance. You have the fact that you're, you're trying to really run from it or hide from it at this moment. You're pushing it aside. You're pushing it away. You're doing whatever it is to get away from it. And at that moment, you may be there going, I am tolerant! But you're anything but tolerant. At that moment, you've lost all sense of tolerance. But you're going to continue to repeat that phrase and hang on to that life preserver. This is where the Jedi Code, the uh, Anderson Code specifically, which is the, there is no this, only that. This recognizes, by bringing up this problem, as a non-thing, it is recognizing it and reprogramming it in the same motion. It is making awareness of it. To give an example, if you were to take the intolerance issue and apply it to this matrix, there is no intolerance, only compassion. At this moment, what you've done is you've taken the word, you present it, bam, intolerance. Yeah, that's what I'm having trouble with. Oh, I don't want to be tolerant today. And yet, you have replaced it with compassion. You've acknowledged that it's there, but that it isn't really there. That it is something that's in the mind. That it is something that is really insubstantial. <laughs> Furthermore, the nature of this code is such as to build a linking bridge mentally up to the Force as an aspect of empowerment within this which goes the next step further. To go over the, the Anderson Code real quick, and uh, I think we're well within our rights to be able to uh, quote from any book that has it in it, since it's spread all across the Internet and creation. It starts out with, there is no emotion, there's only peace. This is the first stumbling block that people hit on. In any action, things like intolerance, like you just listed, are really an emotional state. This is a problem of the self, an emotional self. And in that, you are recognizing it and removing its power over you in the first motion, no matter what the emotion is. You're saying, I see that anger, I see that intolerance, I see that whatever it is. And it's not there. Instead, I'm going to put peace there. I'm going to put peace, which is the state of existing within this, but having really gained control of it, recognizing that because you were able to see it, you're already at peace. Because you're able to take this moment to do this, you're already in a peaceful state. This is, I'll get into more of why the code works like this towards the end, the advantage of using this single code, but this would work with any code similar to this, okay? In which any case, code, my next question would be, though, because we're talking, we're talking about this in the, in the sense of, let's, let's start out with the first line. There is no emotion, there is peace. Or in some versions of it, it is said, emotion yet peace. At what point in time do you get caught up so much that you keep saying this mantra that it never really internalizes unless you use it to catch what you're doing? And doesn't that become kind of a problem? You, because you become so reliant off of it? When you start to say a mantra at a point, like, uh, I will be intolerant, um... Your whole your whole goal is so that you internalize it, and hopefully at some point in time it'll get to the point where 
it just becomes your very nature to not have the, have the problem of intolerance. To a degree, yes. The thing we have to look at is also the base nature of the person. You can internalize any code, any mantra, any set of beliefs, but only, only at the end of the day to a degree. And that degree is very, very dependent on the nature of who you are and how you live in this world. That being said also, even the most Zen person, even the most relaxed, most peaceful individual, is going to have moments of emotional outage. Emotional, uh, not really outrage. I, I say outage because pushing outward emotionally, the result being that they are no longer acting from a state of controlled self or compassion or functional self, but they lose a bit of who they are into that moment. You do want to internalize the code, and I'll be getting getting into that and the strengthening of the code via its internalization in a, in a little bit. I want to I want to hit on how it builds up to the force first. But this is this is a good point. There does come a point also when a person relies on the code and it's doing nothing for them because they've not internalized the art of the code. What that is is to say instead of focusing all of your energy and self into this mantra instead of empowering it to make it a reality internally, which is really energetic. I mean, you can say there's psychology to it, and to a degree, that is true also. But I have found, my experience with mantras, is they only work when you really put power into your own words. You have to really make that the law of the land for yourself. So when you're driving down the highway, and that's my favorite example. That's no, still psychology, gonna... just saying. <laughs> it, it is. It is psychology due to emphasis. But at the same time, I could make a very valid case that all mysticism is based off using energy through psychological methods. So, and, I, and I would argue the same thing. I'm just yeah. saying that you shouldn't really remove it from the psychological aspect at all, because it really is completely psychological aspect. Well, yes, it, it still is within the psychological aspect, but too many people see it only as psychological. And what I mean by that, there's this tendency when you make something psychological, you also make it all in your head. For the common man, at least. Uh, for the Jedi, we recognize... I'd, I'd like to say we rec I recognize! I'm fairly, and I, I can say with certainty that Allie recognizes that it, there is a great interconnection between all parts of the whole. And that no one thing is exclusory inside the human life. That is to say, it's not all in your head, but at the same time... It is separate from your body while being interconnected to your body. It is separate from your soul while being interconnected in a deep part of your soul. That these parts are all working together, but they're also mashed together, as any working machine is. After all, the gears on a gearbox are useless if they are 50 feet apart from each other and not touching. So, that being said... Of course, if you want to get sex... Like, uh you want to get physics on it, <laughs> technically I'm not even touching the seat that I'm sitting on. This is true also. <laughs> but if you go deep enough into physics, we could say that you are actually intermingling with the seat. You're trading electrons and protons constantly with it. In a sense, you are becoming the seat. But only to the very less, least degree. And we can go into quantum physics and then that's where you... 
you hit on the concept that you are both not touching the seat and yet always a part of it. It's 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 a fine line we walk. That's why I don't like to quantify any psychology or mysticism with physics, because at the moment you do it, you're you're really you're 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 playing a game that gets you burnt at the end of the day. <laughs> and what what I mean is it's not it's not a bad thing to look at this with a little bit of humor or a little bit of analysis and to take note of it and then move on. But I've seen people dwell on oh, I'm not even a part of this reality because when you look at quantum physics, no, you're still a part of this reality. I don't care what quantum physics says about it. Um, I don't even care what basic physics says about it. You're living a day-to-day life. You're not going to get away from that. It may be comforting to look at science and recognize the vastness of the complexities even in the smallest of things, but it doesn't uh, doesn't replace living, that's for sure. I, I worry about that with people because I see them do it all the time, especially on our Jedi forums. We have a lot of people that will try to use quantum anything to quantify everything. And you already know my stance on this, Allie. And if Nathan's in the house somewhere, we'll hear screams of bloody murder if he hears any of this. <laughs> yeah, he's upstairs. He's asleep, so he can't hear this. <laughs> that won't stop him. If you see his fist come through the ceiling, you know what has happened. <laughs> that being said... With the code. You know, the first step is the quelling of the emotion. Why? Because the emotion is the first thing that's controlling you. But it goes deeper than that. Because a human being is not just their emotions, they're their passions. And really, passions are those things that are an internal fire, an internal driving force. Now, the next line of the code is probably the most debated. And if you wanted to pick on a line of the code... This will be the one to go after, because the emotion one is iffy. The fact that you can observe your emotions proves that they are not solidly tangible and overwhelming you. Passion, though, passion could be defined as the driving force of an individual. And in that, that must be driving you. That's not the the next line of the code, though. It's ignorance. Really? I've always done mine with emotion and then passion and then ignorance. Funny that. Yeah, I'm looking directly at it, and it, it's there is no ignorance, there is knowledge. Interesting. You know, I've always shuffled those lines. Well, we'll move on to the ignorance and knowledge one. This one is very much, in fact, it's probably more useful in in this direction, and maybe I should uh, rework my own meditative training with it. When you look at ignorance, ignorance is the first stumbling block to understanding, and understanding is the first. It is really, misunderstanding is the first tool of division between the self and the others in the world. And what I mean by this, I'm not saying, I'm not promoting pacifism, and I'm not promoting Zen Buddhism by any, any stretch of the imagination. But when you remove the humanity from a person in any situation in which you are in conflict, and that's really what the code is for, is for moments of conflict. But when you are really in a moment of conflict, and you remove an understanding of that person, trying to see their point of view, trying to get under their skin, you've removed yourself from your ability to deal with them. You've removed yourself from any compromise. You've removed yourself, really, from their world. And in essence, even if it was, even if it was a fight, even a, even a knockdown drag out with another person, that removal from them removes your ability to interpret their actions. So the first thing it does is, again, it presents the problem, ignorance. 
you don't know enough of what's going on. You don't have a good enough grasp of it. That's why your emotions are outside of your control. You don't understand why you're going through it, and you don't understand why the other person or the situation is happening, and you're in a state of flux, or other words could go with that that start with F, but really a state of flux. You don't have firm grounding, and firm grounding comes from knowledge. And this is the importance of the Force in this aspect, because the Force provides knowledge. It provides a level of understanding in the sensory perceptions we gain from it. Now, I know there are going to be people out there that say, I don't believe you can feel this, this force thing and it doesn't work the way you say it works. And this word, I don't think it means what you think it means. And that's, that's fine that they say that. And I tell them, what the heck are you doing listening to this radio program? Don't you have other things to do with your time now? Um, if I toss a few listeners... You're starting to sound like chaos. <laughs> if, if I toss, well, you know what? I have never met a better, a better light Sith or Dark Jedi uh, in all my time. <laughs> I, I consider him a good role model for most of the Jedi. Maybe they should learn something. Uh, with that in mind, though, by, re- by putting ignorance out there where you can see it, you gain mastery over it. It's kind of like when you give something a name, you get a little bit of power over it, and you are fighting it now by looking for knowledge. This is part of the code that reminds you to seek knowledge, both internally of yourself. Why am I going through this? What is it that caused this emotion? What is it that is moving me forward? And that translates into the next part, which would be passion. Passion is the driving force of who you okay. are. Okay. You know what? Well, let's go back to ignorance knowledge. All right. The, the ignorance knowledge. Room. We'll, we'll just address them as we go. <laughs> Here's I'm what I hate that. about that line. And Hates. this is something that I, I, I was trying to explain when we were rewording it for the Heartland Jedi Creed, in which case, we'll get to that one, too, because I totally, uh, 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 since this is what started this whole thing, I'm totally going to use that to, sh- to answer your question that you asked me. Anyways, <laughs> we started up this whole program. Um, the, the problem with the ignorance knowledge one is I actually prefer ignorance yet knowledge, because obviously you're not going to know everything in the world, but that code... The darn, the darn thing makes it sound, and this is why I hate, I can't stand that whole code as it is. Because you have to teach it in such a manner that people understand it, otherwise it, it just doesn't, it doesn't register right. But the way that they say there is no ignorance, there is knowledge, makes it sound as though you need to know everything. Obviously that's not possible. Obviously we know that's not possible. And sometimes you're going to have knowledge that's just useless. Altogether useless. Like, there's a... There's a quote. And you know what? I'm going to see if I can't find it real quick. But it comes from Sherlock Holmes. And... Um... It addresses... The problem quite well. Uh, if I can remember where it is... Would you like me to take over for a little bit on discussing this? Yes. But if I do, it, it may be bringing up some counterpoints. But I'll just bring up my experience with ignorance and knowledge. Actually, hold and on. I found it. Ha! See? I bought you some time. <laughs> you see, I consider a man's brain originally is like a little empty attic. And you have to stock it with such furniture as you choose. A fool takes in all the lumber of every sort that he comes across, 
so that the knowledge might be useful to get him it or to him gets crowded in crowded out or a best is jumbled up with a lot of other things so that he has difficulty in laying his hands upon it now the skillful workman is very careful indeed as to what he takes into his brain attic he will have nothing but the tools which may help him in doing this but of these he has a large assortment and all in the most perfect order it is a mistake to think that little room has that the little room has elastic walls and can descend to any extent. Depend upon it, there comes a time when for every addition of knowledge you forget something that you knew before. It is the highest performance, therefore, not to have useless facts elbowing out the useful ones. Sherlock Holmes, The Science of Deduction. Now this was said, by the way, after Watson tried to tell him that the Earth revolves around the sun, I think. Yes, Is that something that was very... Huh? Yeah, I think something to that degree. Okay. So it was either that or they just learned that the world was not flat. Or Obviously, I doubt it was that one, but I think it was that... Uh, yeah, it, it was something that to, to Sherlock Holmes was absolutely useless, and he said, I'll be, I'll be sure to quickly forget about it. And Watson was just in shock. And then, you know, that whole spiel that I gave, which case I probably butchered it, <laughs> probably would have sounded better if I had a British accent, accent, but still, okay. I don't, so I didn't try. I'm not going to um, to disgrace our, our UK brethren <laughs> by trying to do something that I obviously can't do. Well, can I say this? Go ahead, Ross. Um, um... Well, the, the the part of the code that says there's no ignorance, there's knowledge. Um, what do you define as knowledge? Is it knowledge that you don't need to know everything knowledge? It's the fact that they say because you're not supposed to have ignorance. This, this is what I get. I love knowledge. I love learning things. Like, I post up all sorts of crazy stuff. Some, or I've been known in the past to post up all sorts of crazy random facts on Force Academy. Or even spout them out over a radio. Not just online radio. I mean, like, when I was in the military, we would shoot back really random facts. And one day, I actually came over the radio when we were at detainee facility. I was like, yep, that's me, www.randomfactsuniversity.edu. <laughs> my point is, is that sometimes facts, sometimes facts and knowledge isn't necessarily useful. So why should I bridge... So why shouldn't I bridge the gap by b- remaining ignorant of some subjects, but well, not well, uh, hold an abundance of knowledge on another one? I don't think that the code says you can't do that. What it's, but that's the problem that I have with it is that people get this idea in their head, and th- and we have to teach it in such a manner that they understand that's not what it means. That's why I can't stand the code at all. And, and, no, and that's part of the learning curve. That's part of the learning curve. Uh, um, 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 you, okay, you get to that point, people, Rosalind. Here's the thing: people, the, people, and I really hate to say this, but there are a lot of people in this world that are idiots. I have yet to meet the majority of them. I've been very fortunate, in my opinion, to meet to say that almost everybody I know is not just flat out dumb. And by this, I mean dumb as in. 
knowledge dumb. Obviously, some people are physically intelligent. They have, you know, they there there are different types of intelligences. Some are musically intelligent, and they're not going to be really inclined to the intellectual. And that's and even at that, some are going to be inclined to say, uh, when I say physical, I mean like kinetic intelligence. They can do a lot of things like football, but they can't necessarily write a good. They can't understand reading comprehension. Right. So when I say dumb, I'm referring to knowledge base. And that's why I don't like codes like this, because sometimes you can use a lot of those different types of intelligences towards being a Jedi. It's well, just really, you have to find a creative way of communicating to those people. Well, that's something part of the learning experience. Of community. We only part speak of the learning experience. I or, think that's part of the learning experience. Learning that there are really no absolutes, really, is still understanding the code, but taking it... I don't think you should take the code at its face value. But people do. That's my problem. That's why I don't like the code, because people take it at face value, and then I have to sit there. There, There's an old saying. uh, We had in the Army this thing, this motto. Oh, my God. We had... When I came in, it was an Army of One. O-N-E. And they had, like... They had a thousand different ways that they could explain what this meant. Well, one day, I went to a recruiter's office, and I said, I don't understand this Army of One deal. It, it, everybody thinks it means this. Some people think that it means officer, NCO, and enlisted. It, and he, all this stuff, and he goes, let me put it to you this way, Benton. Because that was my name back then, Benton. In my opinion... If you have to take more than 30 seconds to explain what a motto is, it's useless. And that's how I see this code. Is that it's because it takes that long and you... It's not a motto, it's a code. That's not... It's still the same thing because people don't understand it. If you have to sit there and explain to somebody... Emotion, or there is no emotion, there is peace. People understand, actually, believe it or not, you say emotion yet peace, people understand that better than they do there is no emotion, there is peace. Or if you say ignorance yet knowledge, they understand that one better than saying there is no ignorance, there is knowledge. Which is another reason why I don't like the there is no, there is version of this code. I don't like the version, and I'll tell you why, because when I put it in my training journal, I explained it very clearly. Um, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I have to find it later, but um, I, 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 that's not a motto. Uh, I, for me, that, that's not a motto. It's a, it's a code, and it's not supposed to be readily explainable because people are supposed to decipher it in order to... I mean, it's like... It's like different layers of understanding. Some people understand it on this layer, some people understand it on another layer, some people understand it on a separate, uh, different layer. It's like the Bible. And uh, there's some people who understand that thing on face value, who take it very literally. There's another set of people who um, understand it a separate way, very figuratively, 
and there's another set of people who take it very practically. You know, it's different set of of understanding. And if you if you change the code to ignorance yet knowledge, it takes away that level of understanding. I think. Well, believe it or not, it wasn't changed for that. You make it easier. It was actually changed from emotion yet knowledge. I mean, emotion yet peace. It was changed to there is no, there is, for the record. Actually, for the record, for the record, it started out with there is no, but references in the science fiction culture of Star Wars made use to an older version of the code from the Star Wars canon or semi-canon history. That's what what I mean. In plain English, the code there is no only this version, which is known as the Anderson Code, was the first version of the Jedi Code presented in Star Wars fiction. Yet, in Star Wars timeline history, there are versions of the code that came before now, which, is what I, which is what I mean by it was changed to. Yeah. And, the, and according to the canon, when you look at the canon from its from the timeline of like this is the beginning of the Jedi Order on whatever, however you want to look at that. This is this is the beginning of what started out and then eventually became the Jedi Order, whatever. Then yes, it was it was actually changed from the yet version to the there is no. Yes, but look at this another way also. If you look at it from the way it was set up, there's a very powerful reason why it was written the way it was. And I'm, I'm going to get into that. But ultimately, by using the use of strong adjectives, the use of strong phrasing, it creates a kind of polarity within the mind. You know what it is you don't want, and you know exactly what it is you're aiming for. That being said, I wrote down a number, number of points to bring up. Uh, as, as you both were were going back and forth there, and that was excellent, uh, because you've given me plenty of fuel. Uh, the code... The <laughs> oh, code, no, you're going to have a fire. No, I'm just Yes, kidding. you are. No. You have no idea. <laughs> you okay. have to Yeah, I, I probably should, but I won't. Um, day-to-day, the code was never functioning as a day-to-day way that you live every second of your life. And in that... If you recognize that and make note of that with the statement, there is no emotion, there is peace, and it was never meant, never meant to be every second of every day, then you have to do the same for ignorance and knowledge. And what that means is, there are a lot of times, there are things I just don't need to know. that They're just not useful for me to seek them out. But, at a moment of crisis, at a moment when I must be the most Jedi that I can be, in the most important ways that it means to be Jedi... The code holds great validity then, because I must be putting aside my ignorances to have knowledge. Knowledge of the self, knowledge of the environment, knowledge of the events, possibly even to look for more knowledge if there's time to do so, so that I may act in an informed and capable manner rather than just going on with my own uh, my own ignorances. This also brings back the point that I make. This code is a terrible, terrible day-to-day living structure, and I'll never argue that. You would not want to live your entire day by this code. You would not be living. 
you'd be dead. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> but as a mantra or as a guide for right action in times of crisis, and you've quoted me on this before, so I'll say it again. As a mantra or as a guide for right action, it is an invaluable tool at the moment of crisis. That brings me up to the code being taught. There's this big mis miscomprehension in my mind, and it stems from all of our different Jedi academies that are out there, in which the instructors want to show how great and awesome they are. And this is my problem with the way they teach the code. They get up and they write a lecture on the code, not just a little snippet as to how it's affected them or how they found it useful in their life. Um, even at the end of the day, this radio program we're doing, if I was to put this into text, my thoughts on this would amount to maybe two or three lines of text per line of code, if that. What they do is they want to show their vast, they want to show their vast and great understanding of the code because they have such great awareness of it. They want to prove how big and bad they are. So they write a document on the code. And the truth is, that does nothing The code should be understood not by reading what Charles has to say, not by reading what Allie has to say, or what anyone else has to say, but instead through meditation on the aspects of it and how it is made use of in the day-to-day -day life. What I mean by that is that if you're looking at this code and you're asking why would this be used in this way, you're asking what is the purpose of this tool rather than just write the tool off, okay? It's big, it's long, and it's got a strange point on the tip of it. I don't know what it's used for. It's called a screwdriver. But, you know, I'm a caveman looking at this screwdriver. And I'm there going, oh, yeah. I'm sure it has a use, but I don't know what. You don't just toss it aside. You take it and say, where does this fit? That's Makai's contribution. Yes, it is. That's exactly. He's, he's expressing where it fits. And it fits in those <laughs> moments when you're overwhelmed. It is a safety net. It is a, a tool to be brought in at those times where you no longer have that ability to function. But that's my view of it. For a Jedi, any Jedi, there should be some meditation on this code. Meditation as to when this makes sense, when it is useful, where it is functional, and why it's been considered the core of our focus and development for over 10 years. However, that's not how it's handled. Okay? Let me, let me make this really clear. No group at present is handling the code in such a way that it remains a functional and viable tool that I have seen. Instead, they butcher the code by taking away that great opportunity for the student to meditate upon it line by line over the course of weeks and months in their training. They take away that great value within the code that can be gained from that meditation, and they replace it with whatever the masters have found. And the result is that instead of all of us coming to this kind of understanding of what a Jedi is, and you'll notice that a lot of the people you yourself tend to agree with and tend to favor, Aletheia, are the same people that took a great amount of time meditating on this code at a time when no one had presented their definition as the final say. I don't even present mine as the final say. I listened uh, to last week's impromptu show with Chaos. Uh, I was there for it. And I gotta say, 
that that is an example of how that meditation upon that code, upon the concepts within it, provided a true understanding of what it means to be a Jedi, and yet it went in an entirely different direction. Uh, the Jedi Creed itself, the, the one that they use for the fiction, is a lot easier to obtain the uh, the knowledge that um, Chaos demonstrated last week during his, during his uh, impromptu Force Realist episode. Yes, it is very Not much code itself. It is. It is much easier. It is much easier. It is also easier, instead of doing push-ups, to get yourself a machine that lifts you up off the ground and puts you back on the floor. But it doesn't build the muscle that's required. And in this, yeah. I see this code meditating on it as a muscle-building tool. But only when it is used for that meditation, <laughs> only when it is used as a mantra for right action, when it starts to become, I've got to live my life by the Jedi code, it falls apart. And it falls apart in so many ways because it becomes detrimental, it becomes self-destructive. Now, with the ignorance yet knowledge versus there is no ignorance, again, as a tool of right action, you don't have time to allow that ignorance to exist in a moment of decision. You have to be able to shut that down. Because if you persist in demanding that you be yourself ignorant to whatever it is you're ignorant of, and people do this all the time. They really do. Then... Then you're gonna you're gonna make the mistakes that the code is being used to prevent. Now, that being said, I do favor the this yet that version of the code. I've even written my own advanced version of it to cover more aspects because that does provide a better understanding of how to live life as a Jedi. The this yet that variation is a great guideline for life. You know, when you're emotional, you want to know that you still have peace there. You want to know that it's still there. When you have ignorance, you want to know that knowledge is still available to you. This is a great way of looking at life, but it's what about not an effective tool. I've never thought, I've thought about flipping it around. You know, I, I've done that. Knowledge yet ignorance. Things like see, that. That's... That's great, because it works both ways. And in meditating on it in both ways, you gain an understanding of the nature of life then also, which has its own value and its own Don't you you think that uh, at some point the the yet provides the sort of answer? I mean, an answer that the Jedi should come up for themselves with? Well, I I think most certainly, and that's the benefit of having the Jedi themselves go through that meditation and meditate on that part of the code. Um, I think... Do either of you have anything else to say on the ignorance and knowledge part? No, I've already said my part. I pretty well covered it. (laughs) Alright. Now we get into, and for me, I'm going to start off by saying I see this as a flowing part of the meditation. And it is a meditation. Even if it's just used in a moment to try to quell some anger, it is that recognition that even with the knowledge of why it's all going on, you still have passion. No one that I know of has ever been truly upset and simply looked over and just turned it off like a switch. Instead, there's a conscious, willful effort. And this is a recognition that passion is what's driving them. And you have to recognize that passion 
and cut it off before it gains control. Because even with all knowledge, yes, I know I'm doing this because of this and that, and these things happened to me, and this person triggered that. That's fantastic. But I'm still going to kick their beep. Well, that's not a, that's, that's not a Jedi at that point. That's uncontrolled. That's passion. Now, to say that I'm going to fight someone for a just cause or to protect someone else or things like that, that may be Jedi. But to say I'm going to fight them because I am just ready to rip their head off and I've, I've got the emotions controlled, but they're still just driving Earth. Well, then what you're looking at has moved beyond emotion. What you're looking at has moved completely beyond emotion and it has moved to passion. It's now a defining aspect of who you are. And at that moment, to act as a Jedi, you've got to curb even who you are because Jedi are selfless. Again, Chaos brought this one up, and I thought this was an excellent point, especially on this line. We recognize that we are not allowed to have that passion at that moment of action if we are to remain in a state of right action, or that if we do, we must be coming from a point of serenity. Serenity is beyond peace. It's a recognition that nothing can move you from who you are. Nothing can change you from what you are at your truest core and at our truest cores at the deepest part of us, that part of us that watches the emotional spectrum and watches the passion roll through, is very serene. It doesn't care. It doesn't make note. Uh, In any meditation, you come in contact with that part of yourself. But in this, we are recognizing that we want to harness that part of ourselves as a tool. We want to get to that point because we are about to act. We have analyzed the situation. We've put emotion aside. And now we are removing passion. Why? Because we are about to do something. As a Jedi, we've reached a point in conflict that the mantra and the code has acted as a resolutory cycle. Even if you did not think each line through, having meditated on it, having internalized it, as you said, Allie, is going to give you this focus of strength, at least hopefully. I was gonna. I'm, 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 that's what I have to say. That's my use of it. And again, I say the, the the code is a great mantra, an excellent tool for right action in a moment of crisis. And this version of the code is a terrible way to live your life. The uh, version of this yet that is a fairly accurate version of how you should be living your life. Because if you exist in any of these states without really the understanding of those states without that counterbalance, then, those st- then the state consumes you. If the state of peace exists without the state of emotion, you will become nothing in time. And if the state of emotion exists without the state of peace, the same. But that's why, and I, that's why I say the one, the Anderson version, really, it, it just nails it on the head for me as a tool. But what are your thoughts on passion versus serenity in this? You know, I, I gotta kind of agree with Andy on this one. Neither one of us really understood this line and its importance because it almost seems like it's a rehash of the first line. You know, I agree. It is a rehash of the first line. What it is is it's recognizing how deep that first line goes. I have seen people get upset and clamp down on their anger 
and they will look at you, their face red, sweat pouring down in a blood rage, and say, I am not angry! I'm just having a bad day! No, you're angry. Trust me, you don't make a face like that and sound like that if you're not angry. What you have is passion. I guess for me, it, it's with this line in particular, and I think this may be the same thing with Annie, is that it's it's just redundant, and we're not big fans of redundant, I think. And again, I don't, this, not. Is, this is why it is such a perfect tool for right action, because you need that redundancy to reinforce everything that has come before. And to also build up an okay, understanding... Why could you just say emotion, yet peace, or there is no emotion, there is only peace. There is no emotion, there is 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 peace. I, I could keep going, but my point is, is you could just use it as a chant. And then you wouldn't even really need the there is no passion, there is serenity. People do that, and that's fine if all you're doing is containing your emotions. That's an excellent use of the code. Thank you for bringing that that uh in which up. case, you, you know what I'm going to I'm going to totally turn this against you, and uh, when we get to the, the to the point where we all where I explained why this actually or why this whole conversation is taking place, just saying. So keep that in mind. Right. <laughs> That's fine by me. <laughs> the reason for the reinforcement when using the code as a tool of right action is because you do need to reinforce it. Now, why not use the same line before? Because passion is a deeper word than emotion. And even once you've gained some measure of control of your emotions, that driving force of who you are may not yet be quelled. You may still have, with all of the knowledge you've gained, with having subdued ignorance, there's still a part of you that can be acting out of spite or malice, out of a drive for revenge. And the result is that that part needs to be replaced by a part that does not concern itself with that, and instead now wholly concerned with right action. Wholly concerned. See, but then why couldn't you just replace the word serenity with something else? You could. You very well could. And, and, that's kind of, and I think maybe that's another reason why we, we were kind of like, eh, with that line. Um, actually, if you look at the Heartland Code, it was, you can you can deduce where everything came from, but you'll notice that the idea behind there is no passion, there is serenity was omitted from it because there was no point in re re-putting it in there. The way that the way it was meant to be put into the code. Now Nova, because uh, we we uh, we were talking earlier about the Force Academy version of um, teaching this code. Nova wrote a pretty good long statement as to how passion. Is can be detrimental, and she used things like green peace to <laughs> to demonstrate or illustrate this. In her in her post, she said, um, she or he, I I actually don't remember if Nova was a male or a female. Uh, met him met him or her like a couple of times in early FA history, but still, Nova had put in there that he or she. Well, I'm just going to call Nova she that she. Had, she was wondering if really the whole idea behind uh, putting yourself between a harpoon and a whale was the greatest way of tackling a situation because you let your passion get a, get the better of you. But that's not that's 
that's uh, that's letting your passion take over, and even then, you feel a sense of peace at that point in time, or you're at a pe- you're at a form of serenity because you're protecting somebody, which is why this line really sucks because it doesn't address the problem properly. And see, I would argue that it addresses the problem in a more complete way, and here's why. Within passion, you are acting without complete level of reason. You may have quelled ignorance to the degree you were able to, but you are not acting, really, I guess I should say, with the force moving through you. You're not acting with that guidance that comes from interconnectedness. And what do we call that interconnectedness to the force? Well, we call it serenity at the end of the day. Because that is the state that is most often used when connecting to the Force. When one has fully connected, they will no longer have passion. Instead, they will have serenity. They may still be moving to put themselves in the way of the harpoon. Or instead, they may have caught the harpoon before it could launch and stopped its movement. The thing of it is, they're not... (laughs) Well... <laughs> it's, a poor, it's a poor I'm example. Just, I'm just that, but <laughs> well, maybe they've caught maybe they've caught the person hitting the button before they could press it. Serenity no, is the only way that they could possibly legally. The only way they can do it is if they're on the on their little boat and protesting. I didn't say anything about legal. I said maybe they did it. <laughs> bring the law into this. Sometimes right action and law are different things. We'll have that discussion. We'll have that discussion on another show. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but you know what? Really, then, it should read, there is no passion, there is reason. You know, I would say yes to that, except for there's a difference between reason and serenity, because reason is a funny thing. Reason, as well as logic, are based on the design of the mind using them. And in that, you still have not made a connectedness to the whole of the universe. You're still disconnected. You're only connected to yourself at that point. Which is what I was really trying to get at with the nature of the code acting in sequence. This is leading up to the connectivity with the Force. This is meant to be a method for bringing oneself to center, but also as a method for connecting to the Force to make use of right action, to guarantee, in a sense, that the actions they are making use of are to a degree, guided by a higher influence. That's my view of it. And for those that don't view the Force as having a guiding aspect, I then question, do they view it as having a light and dark aspect, and what is it they're connecting to? And if you don't view it as having either one of those, then why take one right action? Why be a Jedi to begin with? On some level, generally people believe that there is good in this world, and that it is while unquantifiable, to some degree energetic. And in that, you're bringing yourself to center within that place of goodness. And that is oftentimes referred to as serenity. When someone describes the state they reach in meditation, they do not only describe peace, but they describe serenity, which are different in their levels of wholeness. Because one can be at peace, but not be serene. One can be serene but not truly be at peace. It's a different aspect of the internal self and the way that we deal with things. Peace is an emotional concept, whereas serenity has to do with the drives of the person. In essence, a Jedi makes the decision to disconnect at the moment of action so as to be completely connected to the Force. 
and the code the code lines up to that. It leads up to that. As a tool, it pushes you in that direction. And that's why I say it is a great tool in that respect. But uh, does anyone have anything else to say on the passion versus serenity? Um, serenity, by definition, and hold on, let me pull up Merriam-Webster because that's the one that I usually use. Is okay. I gotta pull up serene. I hate it when this happens. Clear and free of storms or unpleasant change. In which case, peace. Since let's get this ad. Shining bright and steady, marked by suggestive or utter calm and unruffled repose or quietude, and then peace. is a state of tranquility or quiet, freedom from civil disturbance, a state of security or order within a community provided by uh, freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions, harmony in personal relationships. Really, they are the same word, just one sounds more pretty than the other. And peace can be used in a wider variety of things. Honestly. And see, I would argue that they have a different social impact. And that the definition of the word, while it does state its use and purpose, does not state the full extent of its impact on a, on a psychological or social level. Still valid. It's the same word. And yet my argument is still valid. Well, to an effect... But really, the only reason that serenity has a bigger impact than peace is because serenity is a prettier word. And it's less used. But that's about it. I would say that serenity implies a state of non-disturbance, where peace implies a state that has come after disturbance. Because we connect the terms peace and war to each other. Serenity is the evolution of peace. But even if we do that, yes, but not when we're talking in the same respect as, like, emotion, yet peace, people don't put that connection together. And that's kind of, then that's another problem that we have with the code, is that not a lot of people actually internalize, or actually, well, no, I've said this a couple of times in this show, people don't actually take the time to internalize what that code means, which is why we should probably, which is why I feel we should probably just do away with it, because I get so wrapped up in things, and it needs to be a little bit more concrete for people to be able to look at it and be like, okay, well, I guess there's really no way to misinterpret this code. And, and see, I, I, guess, I disagree. Yeah, go ahead. I would like to say that serenity, I think, is a, is a state of mind. Peace is an active state. I mean, it's like, um, it's, a, it's a thing that comes after action. Like Charles said, it comes after a state of uh, um, no, no peace. Peace comes separate. No peace. I think serenity uh, enjoys a, a wider reputation because it is a state of mind. It is a, is a, it is a life. I think it is a lifestyle. Except they're both a state of mind. Because no. when you look at peace and war, hold on. Even when you look at peace and war, peace is a state of mind for the people. It's, it's a state where they believe. There is no conflict. 
there is nothing there to, to hinder them until somebody yeah. decides that they're going to act up again. And really, well, it comes to your state of mind. She's also, she's also kind of part of your state of mind. Or, uh, well... Peace also uh, carries with it the threat of conflict. Serenity, you can be in conflict and still be serene. Absolutely. You can be in conflict and still be at a, at a state of peace. Because you just decide that you're going to remove your, yourself and put yourself into a more um, objective point of view when you look at things. Okay. And see, I won't argue the definitions of the words, although there are subtle differences. They do exist. Those subtle differences do amount to very similar meanings. There's a big difference between same and similar. They are equivalent for each other, but they are not equal to. In that, there's also the question of what is invoked in the mind when the code is mentioned. What is invoked in the mind with each line from this code? And that is what is important to me for the use of a mantra. Now, this, this asks the question, does Merriam-Webster have any impact on the value of your mantra? I don't find much value in mantras myself, so it doesn't really matter. That's fair enough. <laughs> Are we ready to move to the last line of the code? I know you're going to hang me with it at the end. You said you were going to. Uh, wait, but it's not technically the last line of the code, because there is another there is another line that's optional. That's post-Anderson, and I don't even touch on it. Okay. <laughs> but there's a re- the, it's not that it doesn't have value, the chaos and harmony one. Um, I just think that it's superlative. Uh... You could add so many lines in, and that was kind of the point that I make with the advanced code, that this is about a state, this is about attaining a certain state, but at the same time, adding in lines is not necessary for the use of it as a tool. The last line, in my mind, is honestly a lie. It's a lie that you tell yourself in order to be able to act completely. At the end of the day, the one thing we are really afraid of is death. The last line of the code is there is no death, there is only the force. At the end of the day, every fear is a fear of death. It may be the fear of death of comfort or the fear of physical death, but ultimately it's all tied to the same basic concept. That is, that our existence, as it is, will come to a complete end. However, for a Jedi acting in a state of right action, the consequence of being removed from this world can never be the primary moving factor. Instead, a connection to the Force, acting as a guideline for right action, is what provides the Jedi with their strength to move forward, and oftentimes the ability to change a hazardous situation. In this, the code has taken its time, moving one from a state of turmoil 
to the height of what could be known as serenity. And the connection that that is to the force. That's my view of it as a mantra, as a tool for right action. Any thoughts? I wouldn't say the last words. Why? Neither would I. As far as using it in the for right action, yeah, I agree that it's useless. Well, it's not so much useless as it is. It's it's just not. It's not something that should enter into your mind as a factor. I agree that it shouldn't enter into your mind as. And that's actually one of the things that I really dislike about fire and brimstone pastors. They look and they're like, well, you're all going to hell and this is why you should join the Christian church. And it's just kind of like, that's more reason why I don't want to. Because you're telling me that I'm going to go one place or another and that's fear mongering. I don't really care where I go. I don't really care what happens at the end as long as I live my life. In uh, for the best way possible for those around me. That's all that really matters. Sounds like the last line of the code to me. Well, I think... Go ahead. I was going to say the last line is not a quote, uh, not a line. uh, Because um, uh, there's a law of energy. I don't know if it's you... If the force is energy, then there really is no death. We are we are moving on to a different state of energy. Um, um wh- however you look at it. So there really is no death. Well, see, this is kind of what I'm getting at here. Is really, that line is more a, a something for comfort rather than li- uh, right action. That's what that line has always meant to me. Is it's more of a line about comforting somebody than it is right action. No, I don't think that's the truth. Uh, the fear of death can stop you in your tracks. Knowing that there is no death, there is the force. It compels you to move. It is a a necessity for right action. That even though I die, I yet live because I'm a part of the force. So therefore, I can do whatever, you know, whatever needs to be done. But see, you you just said it's all the same reason I'm like, it's a a line for comfort. I mean, I can understand what you're talking about, and I'm really sorry that he's he's over here making noise, but um, I can understand what you mean, but even at that, like, really, it just, to me, it really shouldn't um, come into your mind that I might die from this situation, because once you start thinking, well, there is a possibility that I'm going to die, and now I'm saying there is no death, there is a force, but how am I, uh, do I need to now come to terms with everything that I've done, and no. how it affect me later on? And but by this line, and here's the other thing: is a lot of people have always used this line in the in the respect of physical death. I don't use it that way personally, but that's what a lot of people look at it as. 
I I use it from the same perspective as what they use the tarot card to mean. Most people think tarot card means physical death. No, it actually just means change. It's just like you die from this one journey because it's changing to another journey. So this Say is that again one more time. Huh? What? Say that again one more time. We had some standing. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, what I said was... I don't remember what I said. About the death tarot card. Oh yeah, okay. So, so anyways, it, it's not. A lot of people use this line to mean that it that it's talking about physical mortal death. But I I tend to use it from the perspective that you have the tarot card. And what the tarot card is basically saying is that it's a death from one journey to another, possibly, or it could be actual death. But most of the time, what it means is it means change. You're changing from one thing to another. It's a transformational process. And that's actually how I would prefer that people teach this line in the code, is that it's, you're moving forward from one, from one thing, you're changing over to another. And that is considered a death of that journey and entering into the next journey. Now, that could also mean that you're entering into a new journey because you're going to heaven and maybe God will be like, hey, you're going to be an angel that sings in the choir and that's your new journey. You're an angel that sings in the choir. <laughs> or it could just mean that I'm going to lose a job and that I'm going to find a new job that I that is supposed to help me move forward. It's really a line more of comfort than it is anything else, in my opinion, even though I can see what you're talking about. But really, when you think about it, if you're doing right action, you need that. The only reason that you need that line is because it's it's comforting you that no matter what's going to happen you're still going to flow with the force if you, if you choose to. Oh. And see, okay. I would say okay. I would say you actually hit on the uh, the mark with the, de- t- the death tarot card there. And what it is saying is that this isn't even in existence, the factor that a change is happening. There is only the force because it flows your emotions because you are connected to it. You are moving in the course of right action. That would be what I would say. But then again, that's using it as a tool, a mantra for right action. It's not using it as a tool for living your life. Um, again, for how your life is and how it should be, the code which comes in with the there is or really the code that comes in with death yet the force would be a better method for living your life. It would be a better measure of how to express your life, whereas the other code where it says there is no death, there's only the force, is a recognition that while all things may have changes and come to an end, the force underlies all things, and thereby its currents move all things. I can agree with that. The other big factor, as as I've said before, to me the code... Is a, is a mantra for right action, but it's a tool for building up that connection to the Force. Eventually, a Jedi should be able to call on the code without calling on the mantra. Should be able to call on that connection and that method of thinking and acting without necessarily, without necessarily reciting it. But again, 
this is what I think our current academies rob our students of. They rob that experience that I had, at least, going through the code and meditating on it for days on end to gain an understanding, to gain a use for this. When I said I'm going to be a Jedi, that meant I had to also take in and understand what the tools of the Jedi are. And I had to come some reason or function for the code in my own life if I was to continue walking the path. For me, the integration of the code was two parts need and at least one part effort. Which is to say that I really had to look at it and see how I could integrate it into my life. And my method is not everyone's method. Um, as I've said in the past, I've seen other people's codes and other versions of the code, and i found good things in them. I hate the idea that anyone would truly try to live their life by a state of complete emotionlessness, complete passionlessness, and looking only just for knowledge instead of the joys that there are in life. But at the same time, I recognize the worst actions that we ever make are almost always stemming from a state of pure emotion, a state of pure passion, a state of pure ignorance, and a state that is concerned more with the physical world, the concepts of things coming to an end, than the state understanding that all things continue on and all things are interconnected and moving within that flow of the Force. But that's just how I came to terms and grips with it. All right. Well, for anyone that wants to know exactly what started up this uh, this whole line of conversation, because now we're going to jump into uh, pretty much what we're what I'm what we're getting at, what I'm getting at, whatever you'll understand what I mean here. So, <laughs> um, I have a training journal that I started up at Force Academy because I'm we're going back through the uh, the new training curriculum that we have at FA, and this is mostly because I'll. Uh, I expect my students to do it, and I want to show them since, you know, my old, all my other training stuff was pretty much done through um, back and forth over the emails or while I was at Force Academy at the old board, so I kind of lost it all. Uh, and, hey, it's always good to go back and give it a new, fresh perspective because, you know, real, at the end of the day, sometimes things evolve. Well, no, they should evolve how you explain things so that other people can get a better idea of what you're getting at. Um, anyways, so he had asked what, uh, what is my own variation of the code, and that's the Heartland Jedi Creed that we use. I'll get into what that is here soon. And then he said, what does this version of the code hold that other older versions may lack? So he he's sitting here and... We're, we're trying to... I was, I was like, I don't really understand what you're asking because there's a ton of different codes that I could look at and I don't even know where to find half of them anymore because a lot of people have had codes in the past and uh, different Jedi Orders have used their own code. I know uh, the the Jedi Way, which was also called Colsary Enclave that I helped run for its short period of time and right now it's on hiatus, uh, was had their own version of the code where they actually drew some some of the lines out of the Sith code. You know, a little bit. But, 
I, I was like, I, I don't understand what you're getting at with this line. That's why I didn't fully answer it because I don't know. What, you're gonna have to give me more. You're gonna have to give me a code that I have to look at so I can explain what what I think. Uh, what my version lacks that you know older other versions don't. And in reality, here's the thing: I don't think that mine. Personally, I don't think that mine lacks. Uh, lacks anything from particularly this code, the one that we just went over. And I'm going to explain why. Because there, we had written it in such a way that you could draw from things. Uh, I'd actually pulled, I pulled uh, the basic idea from what we call the Soldier's Creed when I was setting up this. I didn't actually pull from the Soldier's Creed per se, but when I set up the the basic idea of what it was supposed to be, there was supposed to be this this area that in the in the Soldier's Creed we call the Warrior Ethos. The warrior ethos is basically its own version of a mantra. Now, the the lines are a little mixed up from what I originally had intended, but really it's not as uh, it's not completely out of sync from what it was supposed to be. Really, there's only like one line out of what I would consider the warrior ethos. This would be like more of the Jedi ethos that you could actually use as your mantra. Our version of the code, or creed, which incorporates the Jedi creed and the Jedi code. I am a Jedi, a guardian of peace. I acknowledge life, uh, all life is sacred. I choose to serve others. I use my training to defend and protect, never to assault. I will present a professional demeanor. I will be mindful of my thoughts and control my actions. I know myself and I'm aware of my surroundings. I will approach all situations holistically. I will seek knowledge with the understanding of self-ignorance. I will find peace in the midst of a storm. It is through understanding of the Force I am transformed. Now what Charles doesn't like about this, or what Charles would point it out was, this is really kind of, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't really flow like a mantra would, because it's just simpler when you have clear concrete. This is rhymes or a, a, a rhyming methodology to it, like, there is no. There is. There is no. Yet. 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 Because it's all there in the line. Uh, I would argue that instead of having, you could, uh, I would argue that you could take any line out of this creed and use it as a personal mantra for whatever moment that you need to. If in the, the Soldier's Creed, we're actually told that we have to memorize that thing. And when they say memorize it, they mean you have to be able to say at any given time, they say, hey, recite the Soldier's Creed. And this could be, I could be on shift, working the road, and if one of my NCOs was really that weird about it, they could come over the radio and be like, what's the warrior ethos? Dude, really? What's the warrior ethos? Spit it out or you have to come up here to the desk. Okay. So, you, basically, you have to say it at any given point in time. What is hoped is that you are able to actually learn these lines of, say, our creed. And at any point in time, if you need to pull something from it, then you can say it as a mantra. Like, I will be mindful of my thoughts and control my actions. I will be mindful of my thoughts and control my actions. I will be mindful of my thoughts and control my actions. I could easily turn that into a mantra. I could easily turn... I will be mindful of my thoughts and my actions. I will approach all situations holistically. 
I will seek knowledge with the understanding of self-ignorance. I will find peace in the midst of a storm. Which is actually what our uh, Jedi ethos would be. The, those four lines. Um, but at the end of the day, the fact that it can't, it, the, the idea that it can't be used as a mantra is definitely not a good argument as to why this, what this might lack where the other code doesn't. Because you can use any... It's too hard to memorize. Huh? It's too hard to memorize. It's too hard for you to memorize right now. You say that now. But trust me, there are methods that you could memorize it. And even at that, let, let me read off to you the soldier screen. Let me go track this down. Because the soldier screen is not even like the whole thing that we have to memorize. And I'll, I'll show you the difference. Uh between the two creeds that we have to memorize. And I actually did memorize both of these uh, at one point in time. Not that I really know them anymore, because I don't feel like I have to. Here's the, here's the soldier's creed. I am an American soldier. I am a warrior and a member of a team. I serve the people of the United States and live the Army values. I will always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. I will never leave a fallen comrade. I am disciplined, physically and mentally tough. Trained and proficient in my warrior tasks and drills. I always maintain my arms, my equipment, and myself. I am an expert and I am a professional. I stand ready to deploy, engage, and destroy the enemies of the United States of America in close combat. I am a guardian of freedom and the American way of life. I am an American soldier. This is something that you, like I said, you have to memorize. You have to say it at boards. Uh, NCO of the month board, uh, soldiers board, <laughs> your board when you're going to become an NCO. Now, this is a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. 13 line code. Mine is, or ours is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. It's 11. So just too short of the other one. Now you want a creed that you you have to that you have to memorize in the military, and I don't think I've known anyone that has uh, has officially failed at memorizing this when they put their mind to it. This is this is one. No one is more professional than I. I am a non-commissioned officer, a leader of soldiers. As a non-commissioned officer, I realize that I am a member of a time-honored corps, which is known as the backbone of the army. I am proud of the Corps as a non-commissioned officer and will at all times conduct myself so as to bring credit upon the Corps, the military service, and my country, regardless of the situation in which I find myself. I will not use my grade or position to attain pleasure, profit, or personal safety. Confidence is my watchword. My two basic responsibilities will always be uppermost in my mind, accomplishment of my mission and the welfare of my soldiers. I will strive to remain technically and tactically proficient. I am aware of my role as a non-commissioned officer. I will fulfill my responsibilities inherent in that role. All soldiers are entitled to outstanding leadership. I will provide that leadership. I know my soldiers, and I will always place their needs above my own. I will communicate consistently with my soldiers and never leave them uninformed. I will be fair and impartial when recommending both rewards and punishment. Officers of my unit will have maximum time to accomplish their duties. They will not have to accomplish mine. I will earn their respect and confidence, as well as that of my soldiers. I will be loyal to those with whom I serve, seniors, peers, and subordinates alike. I will... I will exercise initiative by taking appropriate action in the absence of orders. 
I will not compromise my integrity nor my moral courage. I will not forget, nor will I allow my comrades to forget that we are professionals, non-commissioned officers, leaders. Trust me. Okay. So that one was more difficult. <laughs> yeah. If I can memorize this stuff, and I did actually have this memorized, uh, a couple of times I would switch a couple of lines by accident, but I knew the whole, I knew the whole creed. If I can memorize this and the soldier's creed, trust me, anybody can memorize that 11 line point. And the same can be true said of any other code that the that an order wants to enact upon their group. I mean, the the one that um, that Riven Elaine had for the Jedi Way was actually a lot longer than even the Jedi Creed that we use for Heartland. It does raise an interesting point, but at the same time. I could make the argument that reciting the entirety of the Heartland Code does not do the same thing that the original Jedi Code does. It does not create the same state of mind. That by its very nature, that it does not rhyme and it does not flow, it does not instill a sense of harmony, and that at the end of the day, a simple repetition of it would be only a simple repetition. But that and, would be my but, argument. Okay, but I could argue the same thing about the about the creed, is that all you're doing is repetition. Or if you don't learn to internalize it, period, then this is really what it boils down to. This is the strength this really depends on who the person is that's internalizing it. For me, and this is really just for me, the Jedi Creed that or the Jedi code that we used or we've used for like years to teach and get people to base their own creeds their own codes off of when they write theirs, because that's what some people have done. Um, at the end of the day, it really, it really depends on the person that's actually reading it. Because I, I can just sit here and I can be like, there is no emotion, there is, there is peace, there is no mission, there is peace. And really not really get into it. There, in fact, I could, I, in fact, I will, not that I want to, uh, not that I want to really, um, hound on our Catholic brethren, because I, I used to be Catholic. But I've seen a lot of people where they pick up those rosaries and they say, Hail Mary, Mother of God. You know, I don't even remember the rest of it. But they do, they do a bunch of Hail Marys and they don't really sit there and think about what Hail Mary, what a Hail Mary means. They just do it. I totally agree with you. And this brings my point for the usefulness of all of the codes. And that each one has something... Yes. Here's the, here's the thing about code. You can't say, oh, because somebody doesn't internalize it this way or that way or the other way, that we have to make an easier, more understandable blah blah blah, blah code. Because you end up making, uh, and I don't want to sound bad, but you end up making bad Jedi. Because if every time you end up making you end bad up Jedi, period, if they don't understand it enough, either, which is why we have variations of how this code. This is why people, when they look at how a code is supposed to be structured, when they look at the creed and how it should be structured, that they really need to think about: does it actually the? Okay, for example, let's say that I 
that I need to grade somebody's paper, and I said, okay, based on what you understand of this code, write your own creed. And then they write one. Well, if I don't understand it well enough to write my own, and or it, or if I don't understand it well enough to be able to actually look at look at the code and understand what it means, then I, I run into a problem. Is their creed actually anything like what it should be? Does it does it really hammer at what it means to be a Jedi? And I had, and we had to look at that when we were even creating our own code, our own creed. It, it, we sat there and we were hashing out words like we said um, what was one of the lines that was uh, was a problem it was Jedi train and use their hold on I had it up and then I took it down and here we go Okay, I use my train to defend and protect never to assault originally we said never to attack but at the end of the day we realize that uh, that there really is a bigger difference between attack and assault, and it goes in the person that came up with well, we probably need to change it from attack to assault was actually a military police officer in the Na- in the Kentucky National Guard. He's like, it'd probably be a better idea, and that word changes everything about how this line is how this line is perceived. It changes everything when you understand that it was, uh, that you need to look at it from a legal perspective when when you see the word. But if someone said attack, and they didn't, and you ask them, okay, well, then what happens if you need to protect somebody and all you're doing is you're just standing there? Can you not attack back? Well, yeah, but, alright. So, you need, well, have, Maybe you need to think about how you're going to reword that one in there. Every word that you say really amount, really does say what tell you whether or not the person understands what that creed, that code means. And if they don't, if they don't understand it, because the code is just kind of written in such an obscure way that they can derive anything from it. Well, do you real? Are you really producing Jedi? Or are you just producing people that are philosophers? So yes, sometimes having variations of that, of that creed, of that code, uh, so that people understand it better, is important. You cut out there for a second, Allie. Could you say that again? Which part? I don't know. You cut out the just like the last two seconds. Oh, okay. Well, what I was saying was, uh, it really, it really is important what you say or how or how things are worded because sometimes people don't get it. And we really don't want to just produce a bunch of philosophers in the Jedi community. We want to produce people that know what they're talking about. And see, I would say that it's even easier for them to read through the, the uh, Heartland Code, fake getting it, make a good pretense of understanding it, make you really believe they know what it means. And still come out of it without without having internalized any of it at the well, end. Well, no, but I'm and they don't have to use just the Heartland Creed. I'm I'm not saying that they do. I'm saying that what where we need to where we need to draw the line because what Rosalind is what what I'm understanding from Rosalind is that she's saying, well, we don't need to make it to where it's more concrete, it's more is easier for people to understand what 
what's being said. If it's vague, then it's fine. I don't, I don't believe that's true. Now, if they had a bunch of different ones to draw from where you could create your own creed and then explain exactly what everything's supposed to mean and why it means that way and what it, and how it relates to being a Jedi, then that's great. We just, exactly. but where we need, but well, we do need to draw a line at how people understand the code sometimes. And that's well, one of the problems that we have constantly in the community is that people are like, the, like, if you actually look at the actual Jedi Creed, like the original Jedi Creed, uh, it doesn't say I acknowledge all life is sacred. It says something to the effect of a Jedi respects all life in any form. And I've seen so many people that are like, well, all Jedi should be vegetarians because uh, killing other animals and eating them is is evil and da 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 and you guys are all evil because you eat animals. Bah. Bah. And really, oh, here's to here's me, the thing they're not about, what that line really means. Here's the thing about people who don't get it. Um, now. Well, we can, we can show them. I mean, um, I don't see what the problem is with a bit of discussion. Uh, it's like, um, it's like with anything that's worth learning. Well, I guess that's not, that's not true. But it's like with a lot of stuff that is worth learning, it's not um, all clear um, from its face. Um, but part of what makes us such a great Jedi community is that each of us has had separate experiences with the code um, and uh, has a good understanding of the code. But in reality, I think we need to come together and we need to say, this is the code we're going to stand by. This is the creed. These are the tenets. Um, and in that, give people the freedom to develop their own individual code, but under the umbrella of the code, the tenets, and the creed that we as a community have decided to well, see, that's, that's pretty much exactly what's been going on. And that's actually what we did with the with the, uh, the Heartland Creed. And I keep referring back to the Heartland Creed because this is this really is what kind of sparked the whole the whole conversation. Um, but <laughs> you know, there are other creeds that people have used throughout the years, and they built them based off of the original code and the original creed, so that people understand. And now, we were having some technical difficulties for anyone that can't really tell, but my husband was in here earlier, and as he had pointed out, another issue that we have is that the gen the uh, English language is very, very specific. People have, people need things written down in very specific ways, otherwise they don't quite understand what, what's being gotten, what's, what everything's boiling down to. And it, that goes back to what your what your form of intelligence is. Uh, you'd be mu- musically inclined. You could be kinetically inclined. Uh, the there are seven different ones from uh, I think it's Gardner's theory. No, Gardner had maybe Gardner's theories. I don't remember. I we went over this in college the other day. But there's seven different theories. Okay, just know that. And it's like musical, kinetic, and a bunch of other ones. So, anyways, the. Uh, the problem that we run into also is when we actually pull people from different cultures. So, like, if somebody from Japan was sitting there looking at what we said, or what the code said, what the creed said, 
they might not get it because it's not specific enough, or it's not it's not generalized enough, or the word doesn't translate over to them the way that it would for us. So when you have a pool of different different codes and creeds for people to look over, it helps them generate in their heads what's going on here, why things are being worded the way that they're being worded, what exactly is the overall communicate or what overall are are they trying to communicate with each line, and that's why just having one creed, one version of the creed, doesn't really help people, and that's actually one of the things that. Uh, at least Force Academy is going to try to move to is when you, is where you can write your own creed, your own code, and whatnot. And then somebody who knows exactly what it's supposed to mean, and this really does come to us educating our our uh, our knights and our masters and how to educate other people, uh, how to educate adherents, as we call them, um, on what that code is supposed to mean so that they can generate a a good concrete version for themselves that speaks to them better than possibly the creator of the code does. If it does speak to them, why, for them it's fine. Why do you need to educate them? Why can't they educate themselves? I mean... Okay, because people look at... Because people look at there is no emotion, there is only peace. And the, the first thing that they ever think of, everybody... I don't care who they, what they say they originally believed on that thing. I'm telling you right now, I've seen it time and time again. So you're supposed to be completely emotionless. You're supposed to be stoics. Actually, uh, I didn't think that till I came to the Jedi Internet forums and got my thinking process uh, twisted. My initial look at my initial look at that was that it was obviously a code for a moment of action much as a knight is not always chaste, especially if he has a family. Um, okay, then <laughs> he's you're not always pure. Then you're a rarity, Charles, because everybody I've ever met, their first reaction is, this means that you're supposed to be completely emotionless. I self-studied, and it's the same reason that any time I take on an apprentice, I ask them what it is they're working on, and I provide ideas. I don't ever try to teach them anything unless it is something that is very necessary at that moment, such as a defensive mystical work if one of them might be under attack, or martial arts defensive applications if they're under physical attack. That's part of my method of understanding what it means to teach someone, and this is where my biggest flaw comes in, uh, and this is not aiming at Force Academy or any other particular order, because Force Academy is brought up, and Force Academy is doing it so far possibly the best that I've seen as it concerns this but even then the biggest flaw that I see is often we are trying to teach a student instead of having the student learn and there's a big difference I can teach at you one day I, I will I will bring a group together on Skype and I will teach at them and when I am done teaching at you you will understand not a thing I said you will take very little from it unless you're already an expert in the field but if you're an expert in the field, you'll be right on with me. You will be like you will be spot on with everything I say. But that's the problem. Our masters and our knights that are teaching take this code, any of it, and rather than presenting many versions of the code, presenting the tenets and telling them that's the code also. Whenever someone asks me about the Jedi code, I go through the creed, the code, both variations as well as all the addendums, even though I don't use them for it as a mantra. 
I take them through the tenants, the maxims. I go through this massive amount of information. And I tell them, well, what did you find that was the, was the underlying message of the code? What was it you've seen that is speaking out to you? What have you found of value in this? What can you make use of? And right now, the current methodology is instead to tell them what you found. I, I'm great master Huanha, and I'm going to tell you about the way the code works. And the truth is, you can't tell me about the way the code works. But if you can present enough of an idea of this code, this almost, if you replace the word code with truth, this undeniable truth of what it means to be a Jedi, and that is the code that I'm living by, then even without it never truly being written, and this is something for those Star Wars geeks out there, you'll notice you never find the full code anywhere. It's always from the Jedi Code, a snippet of the Jedi Code based on the Jedi Code. Even the Anderson Code is not the Jedi Code. It's the code of Bodo Sias Basque that he used to teach his students. So you take all of this, right, and what it really means is that there's an underlying truth of what it means to be a Jedi, and these things may bring you to there through deep contemplation, through meditation. And if you look at all of these things as a whole, there's an underlying message, and that message is the code. But if I wrote that message down for you, it would keep in it. And if you read it first, it would take something away from it. And even if I write it down and you read it, you won't own the code. It won't be yours. It'll be... It'll, it'll be someone else's. It'll be mine. And you'll, you, you might own it. You might wield it. But like trying to wield my sword when you're used to your own, it won't feel quite right. Sure, you can use it. But can you really use it? Well, now here's that's, the next that's question. Kind of, that's kind of part of what I get at with all of that. And that's well, part of why I asked you the question the way I did. Well, okay. But then look at it this way. Let's say somebody takes that code and they come up with... Now, I have seen what happens when someone becomes completely emotionless. Mm -hmm. They become a stoic. I have mm -hmm. seen this happen. I've seen it in the Jedi community. And I've seen how it has ruined their life. Mm -hmm. Alright? So then, what exactly happens because you let them get to that point where they're like, okay, well, you know, this is, this is what my code is. And in that, let's say that one of the lines happened to be, a Jedi must be emotionless at all times. Because you let them just kind of admit, then you, then you, have, you run into a problem. But because you are, as a, as a master, you are directing them steadily. You are making sure that they don't go off the freaking deep end here. And, uh, but see, and have, but, okay, but see, here's, here's the problem. This is one of the problems if you tell this to the Jedi community. And this isn't saying that, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of people that are masters and knights are going to do this. But if you tell this, if you say this to the community, then they're just gonna be like, okay, because this has happened. I've seen it happen over the community too. Is that they'll look at it, they'll be like, okay, you understand what the code says for you, and that, that makes you a Jedi. And so we're going to promote you. Because you pass you pass the test, and they don't really put enough time into it to to actually get in there and and look at whether or not they really internalize what it is that the person's saying. Why? Why that's do they right. not that's too? That's not that's not that's not a that's not a problem of teaching. That's a problem of assessing. If yes. you direct correctly, uh, 
your accurate problem of teaching too because not only not only are they just assessing that way they're not learn, they're not actually teaching the person to look at it at a different angle because they're if lazy you're, if you they're are lazy. If you that's you what are I'm saying they are lazy okay I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna say it. I've met many people who claim the term master and claim the term knight and they are lazy why are they promoted if they're lazy, why are they promoted? Okay. <laughs> when when they you, got promoted, they worked in my order. Do you see why now I asked you to write on the Sith code just as a friend? Because I have I, I, I want to make this clear because I know some Force Academy people will be listening. I have no right to tell Alethea to do anything. Okay. But as a friend, I suggested to her within that thread. <laughs> to look at the Sith Code, and my point is because the Sith Code has all of the same embodiments of the Jedi Code, if you choose to take it that way, and when you combine the two, you have the complete understanding of what it means to be a Jedi. But you need to understand that that already exists in the other codes. It's a matter of how you perceive the Code. If you take the Sith Code up to a Stoic Jedi... They will well. They'll they'll unembody. They'll they'll stop being stoic. That's for sure. As they foam at the mouth, you know, they start bleeding from their ears. They get so angry, which is impressive. You know, their <laughs> eyes turn blood red. But, uh, can't believe Sith code Jedi holes. And they start spitting flames at you. They stop being stoic very quickly. They move from stoic to to rabid. Okay, we've had to call for a rabies investigation on Jedi when they've seen the Sith Code who were Stoics before. And the reason, <laughs> not really. <laughs> You'd think, though. But the reason for that, and the point that I'm getting at, is that they have reached a point where they've become Stoic. They've stopped being anything related to Jedi. Not even Jedi Stoic, just pure Stoic. And it crushes their world. And whereas a true Jedi, a true Jedi, would be able to look at the Sith Code and say, I see how that fits into things. I may not be using it in that way that it was intended initially, and it's obvious how each of these codes were intended. If you really look at the whole of the work, instead of just taking one line at a time, there's an obviousness to the intention. In which case, I will say this, the first line is going to be very difficult for me to tie into being a Jedi just saying. <laughs> you know, that's funny. The whole the whole piece is a lie. Is that the first lie? Or there is yeah, no uh, there is, is no peace? Peace is a lie. Uh, passion is my strength or something like that. Yeah, that actually is not that bad. Um I could I could hit on that one right now and if you want me to, I will drag up the Sith code in my web browser. Oh, I can I can read uh, off to you every single line. I mean, I've got it right here. Uh yes, if you could, please. Okay. Peace is a lie. There is only passion. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The force shall set me free. You know what? I actually like the last line in this, in this code a lot better than there is no death, there is force. <laughs> I actually like it if you combined the sets of lines. But, um... Peace is a lie, there is only passion. This is actually very much truthful. Even if you seek the greatest level of serenity and peace, you seek harmony and balance with the world, 
It is a passion that drives you to do that. You have lied when you say there is peace. Because it is a passion that drives you towards it. It is a passion for peace. But to say that peace is the truth and passion is, is not there is to tell a lie. Yeah, the, passion see, I the only thing is, is like peace, peace is a lie only if you look at it as a lie. It is very subjective. Kind of like uh, what I was telling David earlier. He, he was like, your whole line about how uh, honesty is in the past or something like that is, is a lie. It's all lies. It's being dishonest. Well, really, the whole peace is a lie part is uh, it's subjective. That's the only reason why that one's going to be a little difficult for me to to get through as far as making it light. Other than that, I can probably I, I can do the rest of it no problem. Rosalind, you have something to say on this? I believe. I was going to say peace is a lie. Passion is the truth because peace, like. Peace is temporary, therefore peace is a lie. Peace cannot be permanent. And therefore you cannot live in a state of complete uh, of complete peace without without passion. Therefore peace is a lie. I would I would counterbalance that if I may. I okay. could also okay. say passion is a lie because you go to sleep at night. You enter you enter peace at some point throughout your day. Even the most passionate person has to wind down. True. Well, that, that's debatable if you have, you know, nightmares. Just saying. Yeah, there are there are some situations. But you do find peace. Oh, okay. I hope you find peace Hopefully. at some point in your day. You, you know? Peace. After death, you find peace. Yeah. <laughs> Undoubtedly, <laughs> there, there must be some peace after death. At the very least, the moment of it is uh, thought to be peaceful. Um... With all of that, we went almost two hours. Anyone awesome. have any last any anyone have any last thoughts on this? Um, not on this. I look forward to Wednesday's show. I don't even know what I'm doing at the <laughs> show on Wednesday. To be honest with you, um, that all depends on what my uh, doctor decides he's going to do and when he's going to do it. Uh, if he decides that scheduling my stress test on Wednesday is what happens, then I may be running up a hill on Wednesday, so I may not be there here for the show. If that happens, I don't know. If I'm if it comes to tomorrow when I set the appointment up, uh, if it comes to the point where I have to cancel, I'll ask in a side our little meeting group for the Knights of Awakening if there's a, anyone wants to run a show that day. Uh, if there's any topics of mysticism they'd like to do. But we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Alright. I think for... Oh no, that's fine. Um, with that in mind, I want to thank you both. I think we've had a great conversation. And I think we've hit at this from many angles. And at no point do I want to say that my way is the right way. Or mine think, for that matter. Exactly. Or mine. <laughs> None of us are here to tell you that our way is the right way, but we're here to provide you some differing perspectives today. Because we all had a, a measure of peace while we discussed this, and a modicum of passion, I'd have to say. And on that note, as always, to the count. One, two, three. Awaken, Awaken the, the night, night within. Night.